You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Second Chronicles 34 in your Bibles. I'm going to try to finish what I uh, started uh, last week. And uh, I'm also going to try to make some sense of what I started last week. But 2 Chronicles 34 is King Josiah. He became king when he was eight years old. Remember, we had some of the eight-year-olds stand up. But when he was eight, the Bible says he did that which was right. I'm thankful for a king, a young man that said, I'm going to do what's right. We talked about his deeds. We talked about his direction. The Bible says that he walked in the way of David, his father. The Bible tells us that he had a desire. He began to seek after God when he was 16 years old. He began to seek God. What a desire. We talked last week about the destruction. The destruction that Josiah was responsible for. He was responsible for destroying the altars of false gods. He broke down the the high places and the the images that people worshipped. And he did all that he could to get God's people back to God. I want you to know 2 Chronicles 34, it says in verse number 14. It says, and when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan, and Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again, saying, All that was committed to thy servants, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers, into the hand of the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king, and it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. Our Father, I pray that you'd help us as we look at your word this morning. I thank you for your people. I thank you for their flexibility. Lord, we've been online. We've been in a a drive-in. We've been under a tent. And Lord, we've had all kinds of crazy things happen with schedules and services and events. But I thank you that you have not changed. I thank you your word has not changed. And I thank you that we can look at the word of God today and know that this is the truth. These stories were not made up. These are not fairy tales. These are not wishful thinking. But these are truths that are recorded for us for our admonition and for our encouragement. And I pray you'd help us to be encouraged today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we started in this passage, and we talked about getting back to church. And I understand the Old Testament, they went to the temple, and they worshiped, and they sacrificed. And the New Testament, we have the local New Testament church. I'm so thankful for that. But I think we would all agree that God's people had gotten away from God, they had gotten out of church, and they had become backslidden. I wonder about you this morning. Have you gotten out of church? Now, I don't mean have you gotten out of the building because we've all gotten out of the building. Uh, We've all been displaced. Uh, Nobody's been sitting in their, their favorite pew, and nobody's been in their favorite spot. But I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about have you gotten out of the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. 
Uh, have you gotten out of your Bible reading? Have you gotten out of your prayer time? You know what's amazing about church? One of the great things about church is that God's people encourage one another. We sharpen one another. You get into church and you realize, oh, I'm not the only one with struggles. I'm not the only one that gets discouraged. I'm not the only one that has problems. But we don't focus on the problems. We focus on the solution. We focus on the Bible. But maybe you've gotten out of church. Maybe it's time to get right with God. Maybe it's time to get a fresh start spiritually. Maybe it's time that we remove the idols that have crept in. Maybe it's time that we remove the high places. Maybe not something terrible and awful and, and wicked of itself. But may I remind us, anything that keeps us from worshiping God, it has to go. It cannot stay. It cannot remain. We see this morning as we begin, as we pick up from last week, we see, number one, a decision. When Josiah was 26 years old, he sent men to repair the house of God. Can I tell you this morning, whenever you decide to repair something, that is a job. That is an undertaking. You don't believe it? Make a decision this morning. Say, I'm going to remodel my house. I'm going to renovate my house. Five years later, half a million dollars later, and uh, 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 headaches and uh, uh, disappointments and frustrations and all that, you'll say, oh, yeah, I guess that is a lot of work. I'll tell you, uh, repairing anything is work. You know why? You start with one project, and it leads to another project. And then you get one room all done, and fellas, don't say amen if you're in the middle of it now because I don't want you to get your wife mad at you. But you start with one room, and then your wife says, you know, these paint colors in this room, they don't go with the rest of the house. That's code for we're going to repaint every room in our house, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I'm helping you now. You don't have to say amen. I don't want you to get in trouble, um, but I may need to come to your house for lunch when I'm done. But Josiah made a decision. He made a decision to repair. And whenever you start to repair something, it takes work. It takes time. It takes effort. It comes at great cost. By the way, if it's not worth repairing, you throw it away. If it's not worth repairing, you just get rid of it. But if something is worth repairing, you pay the price, you do the work, you fix it, and you do whatever it takes to get it right. Now, the temple needed repair. Now, I understand we're living in a day when the church is not the building. And I hope you understand that, and I hope I've made that clear. If, and God forbid, if a hurricane came tomorrow and it wiped out that building that sits across this parking lot, Victory Baptist Church is still alive and well. Because the church is not the building, the church is not a tent, the church is not the parking lot, the church is the people. And I promise you one thing, we'd find somewhere where we could assemble because the church of Jesus Christ must go on. But when I'm talking about repairing the church, I'm not talking about a light fixture over there. I'm not talking about a plumbing issue. I'm not talking about an electrical issue. I'm talking about repairing our lives. I'm talking about God's people getting right with God. I'm talking about spiritual repair work that is done in our hearts and in our lives. They went to work on the temple. They did it right. Can I tell you, if you're going to do something, 
you might as well do it right. You might as well get the job done and get it done right. Second Chronicles 34, they had the experts. They had the woodworkers. They had all of the, 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 the skillful laborers come and did the job right. Don't cut corners. Uh, don't do a partial job. Don't do half the job and then leave it. Let's get to work and spiritually let's repair our lives and our hearts. Number one, that was a decision that Josiah made. But number two, I want you to see the dedication. It says in verse number 12, I love this verse. The Bible says that when they got to work in the temple, it says, and the men, verse 12, did the work. What's the next word? Faithfully. Can I tell you, that is what God is looking for with his people, with his church. Anybody, anybody can talk. Anybody can post on Facebook. Anybody can say, I'm going to do something. But God is looking for people that will be faithful. I want to thank Victory Baptist Church in our last service, last day under the tent. I want to thank you for your faithfulness. Can I tell you, you've been faithful online. You've been faithful at the drive-in. You've been faithful when uh, Joanna and I have stood out for the drive-bys. You've been faithful. You've been faithful to watch the Sunday night and listen on the radio. And you've been faithful to come and sit in a parking lot and, and listen to a service in a pack, parking lot where maybe you couldn't even see anything, but you came. I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for giving. Thank you for praying. Thank you for the text messages. Thank you for the phone calls. Thank you for the letters. I've got stacks on my desk of letters and cards and notes from God's people. I want to say thank you for being faithful. Let's not let up our faithfulness now. Let's continue to be faithful. God's people must be faithful. There was a decision to repair, but then there was a determination. There was a dedication to be faithful to the work of God. That's what God is looking for. But I want you to notice number three, and this is my message today. My message number three is the discovery. The Bible tells us in verse number 14, we read these verses. The Bible tells us that they found something in the temple. Now, I have misplaced things before. Has anybody ever misplaced anything? All right, good. I'm not the only one. Does anybody have a habit of misplacing things? Okay, yeah, all right. But you know what's amazing is when you misplace something, if it's important enough, you look for it until you find it. And if you can't find it, then you replace it or you do something. But you don't just say, oh, well. But here's the problem. God's people had lost the book of the law. That is the equivalent to what we have today, our Bible. And here's what's so sad. They had misplaced it. And it wasn't for a day. It wasn't for a week. It wasn't for a month. It wasn't for a year. The Bible records for us that they found the book of the law in the temple. Historians tell us they believe that that book of the law had been hidden during the reign of King Ahaz. You see, if you'll turn back with me to 2 Chronicles 22. Would you look at 2, Chron excuse me, 2 Chronicles 28, verse 22? The Bible tells us about Ahaz. It says, and in the time of his distress, 
he did trespass yet more against the Lord. This is that King Ahaz. For he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him. And he said, Because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, therefore will I sacrifice to them, that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all Israel. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord and he made him altars in every corner of Jerusalem and in every several city of Judah he made high places to burn incense unto other gods and provoked to anger the Lord God of his fathers this is not a heathen king this is the king of Judah this is Ahaz and historians believe and I think it's very credible they believe that during the reign of King Ahaz, the priests, they took the book of the law in the temple and they hid it on purpose in order to protect it from the king. This king is tearing down the place of God. He's cutting up the uh, vessels for worship. This king was doing that which was wicked. And some believe that they hid it on purpose during the reign of Ahaz. Now here's the problem. After Ahaz was King Hezekiah. After Hezekiah was King Manasseh. After Manasseh was King Ammon. If you take the reign of those kings, you are looking at, with the reign of Josiah up to this point, you're looking at almost 100 years. And nobody realized it. Nobody knew. Nobody knew where it was. Nobody knew what it said. Now, was God still working? Oh, yeah. Were preachers still preaching? Oh, yeah. But the people had lost the word of God, and it was in the temple all along. This was a discovery. This was a realization of the truth. Can I tell you, we cannot live without the Bible. We can't make it without the word of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You say, well, I can't believe they did that. How terrible, how wicked, how awful. But can I tell you, in our homes and in our churches and in our nation, many of us act as if we don't read the Bible. Many of us act as if we have no regard for what the Bible says. We preached last week getting back to church, but this morning I'd like to say it's time to get back to the Bible. We're in a mess in our country. Uh, our nation is out of control. Can I tell you this last week, we saw some things in our country that I couldn't believe we would see. I couldn't believe that we would see people that would destroy buildings and burn buildings and vandalize and loot I, I, I never believed that we would see uh, such hatred towards law enforcement I never would have believed that I'd never believe we'd see videos of people burning police cars can I tell you what we're seeing in our nation we're seeing a mess and you know what it can all be traced back to I got news for you you can't blame it on the government and you can't blame it on this person or that person. But every one of us must take inventory in our own lives and say, what have we done for the sake of the scriptures? What have we done with the Bible? What have we done with the word of God? Our president this past week, and whether you agree with him or not, that's another topic. But our president this week marched out of the White House and marched across the street 
and stood in front of a church that had been burned and that had been vandalized, and he held up a Bible. Now, I, I've heard it all this week. And by the way, uh, if, the president, if the president said grass is green, he'd get criticized for it. If he said the sky is blue, people would hate him for it. But can I tell you, I, whether you agree with it or not, can I tell you, the president, whether he knows it or not, he held in his hand the answer for our country. And the answer for our nation is to get back to the Bible. You see, when you get back to the Bible, you realize in Genesis 1-1 that we're not here by accident. We're not descendants of monkeys. We're not descendants of an accident. When you get back to the Bible, you realize that God created the heaven and the earth, and we were created in the image of God, and we are accountable to our Creator. You may not agree with the president. You may not agree with Congress. You may not agree with city council. You may not agree with a book. You may not agree with a blog. You may not agree with something you read or something you hear. You may not agree with your spouse. You may not agree with me. You may not agree with yourself sometimes, but I got news for you. Every one of us someday, we will give an account for what this book says because this book is true. If we would read the Bible, we would discover Genesis 1.1. If we would read the Bible, we would discover that marriage is still between one man and one woman. We would discover the sanctity of life. I, I tell you, we've heard our government officials talk so much about keeping people safe from a virus and keeping people safe from police brutality and all the rest of it. But can I tell you, life begins at conception and in the womb of a mother. It ought to be the safest place for any person to be. And that life is valuable and that life is important. Jeremiah chapter 1, Psalm 139. You can look up these passages later. I'll tell you another thing you'd realize and we would discover if we'd open the Bible. The problem in our country is the problem of sin. And that's nothing new, friend. You see, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5 says, As by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We're all sinners. We are all wicked in the sight of God. The problem in our world is nothing new. It's nothing uh, that's uh, modern. The problem in our world is that we have a sin problem. That's the problem. But I'll tell you the solution. The solution has not changed. The solution is the gospel. The solution is the great commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. You may be a red and yellow, black, brown, white. All are precious in his sight. That's why we send missionaries to every group of people that we possibly can. That's why we run buses. That's why we send out mailings. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why everybody is welcome to attend Victory Baptist Church because everybody needs the gospel. Doesn't matter what your skin color is. You need the gospel. I need the gospel. And the good news is that Jesus loves you so much, he died for you. I'll tell you, there'll never be peace on this earth until the Prince of Peace comes back. I think we ought to do the very best we can. I think we ought to work, and I think we ought to do everything we can, but there will be no peace until Jesus comes back because this world has been condemned by sin. I'll tell you another discovery we would find in the Bible, and that is the truth of equality. Did you know God is no respecter of persons? 
I got news for you. Jesus came unto his own. He came to the Jewish people. The gospel came. The, the, the Savior came. The Messiah came to the Jewish people. But you know what the Jewish people did? The Bible says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But I'm so glad for this verse. But as many as received him. Doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. Doesn't matter your skin color. Doesn't matter your race. Doesn't matter your IQ. Doesn't matter your education. Doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank. Jesus came and he died for you and you can be saved because God is no respecter of persons as ye would that men should do unto you. Do ye also unto them. Likewise, Luke chapter 6. The great commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Can I tell you, if we'd open the Bible, we would discover that that is the word of God. I'll tell you what else we'd discover. We would, if we'd read the book of Proverbs, we'd realize that justice and liberty and law and order are essential in any nation. It's essential in any home. It's essential in every community. There must be law. I'm glad that God is a God of decency and of order. i tell you what else we'd realize if we'd open the Bible. We would realize that we are under a spiritual attack. If you turn on the news and you think all of that mess is because of politics, I got another thought for you, and that is this. Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Don't be surprised when Satan attacks, and don't be surprised when we're under spiritual attack. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, Satan, hates you. Satan wants to destroy you. Satan wants to distract you. Satan wants to get your mind off what really matters, and that is heaven and hell, and that is eternity. We are in a spiritual battle. You say, Pastor, what do we do? We're in a spiritual battle, and it seems like we can't give victory. We're in a spiritual battle, and it seems like uh, there's, there's no way out. Well, I've got news for you. God didn't put us in the battle with no weapons. God put us in a battle, and he gave us the word of God, and he gave us the power of prayer. And if you go through the battle and you go through life without the Bible and without prayer, you're a sitting duck. You're just an accident waiting for a place to happen. But when you and I as God's people, when we get the Bible, we've got the power of God that is greater than our adversary. There is power in the Bible. There is power in prayer. And we must discover the word of God in our lives. When you get back to the Bible, it changes how you think. It changes your outlook. The book of Judges tells us that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. But you know what's also interesting about the book of Judges? There wasn't a vision, an open vision. God wasn't speaking to people much. There were some of the judges that God raised up. There wasn't consistent worship in the temple. And there was not a spiritual leader consistently. And is it any wonder that in the book of Judges it was chaos? You know why? Because they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the church. They didn't have a preacher. 
And it's time for God's people that we get back to the Bible. So many people have been out of church for months and months, and then we wonder why we're experiencing such unrest in our country. I'll tell you one reason. It's time to get back to the Bible. It's time to get back to God. We must make a discovery. You say, well, I wish, uh, and I had a man this week, and uh, a nice man, but I had a man this week that said, you know, I wish our president, I wish our president would read that book that he was holding up. And uh, I had a lot of things I wanted to say. But what I did say was this. I said, well, sir, I said, I tell you what, I think all of us need to get back to reading the Bible. Can I tell you, the Bible doesn't do you any good sitting on a shelf. The Bible doesn't do you any good collecting dust all week unless you open it, unless you read it, unless you do something with what you've been given. But we must get back to the Bible. Number four, I see the difference. Would you notice verse 19 when they read the Bible? When they saw the, the Bible before the, came before the king and they read the Bible, the Bible tells us that they responded. The king rent his clothes. Verse 21, they repented of their sin. Verse 24, I love this, they believed it. They didn't dismiss it. They didn't say, oh, well, that's old-fashioned. You know, that's been missing for 100 years. We've got something more current and up-to-date. No, they read the Bible and they believed it and they repented and they did something about it. Verse 27, the king humbled himself. We have become so proud and so arrogant in our churches. We've become so proud and so arrogant in our nation. We think we've got all the answers. We think that if we don't have the answer, all we have to do is Google it. Well, how about this? How about if you Bible it? How about if you have a question? How about if you get out the old black book and read it? And, and how about if you get that answer and say, I don't have to fact check this because this is true from cover to cover. It's the inspired word of God, and it is the answer. We must get back to the Bible. We don't have all the answers. Friend, I want to remind you this morning, as Brother Dan mentioned in the opening remarks and as he mentioned briefly in Sunday school, uh, this world's out of control. We don't have the answers. But I'll tell you what, God sure does. And if we would fall on our knees before God, if we would fall on our faces before God, if we'd get back to the Bible, I guarantee you we'd see some changes in our nation and in our world and in our lives. Verse 30, I love this. Everybody needs the Bible. Notice the phrase in verse 30, all the people, great and small. You say, well, pastor, I'm glad you're preaching this message. You know, for the people that, you know, they haven't been saved that long. I'm glad you're preaching that message. You know, for those new Christians. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about from the pastor to the people. I'm talking about from the pulpit to the pew. I'm talking about if you've been saved for 50 years or you've been saved for 50 days. All of us need to get back to the Word of God. Everybody needs the Bible and then I see lastly the determination verse number 31 the Bible tells us that they made a covenant with God they made a promise they made a determination they said we're going to do something with what we have heard verse 33 the Bible says they serve God and stayed faithful to him. They took away the abominations in all the countries. Everybody was serving all his days, all the days of Josiah. The Bible says they departed not from following the Lord. I'd like to challenge you this morning. Last week, we challenged all of us to get back to church. 
But this morning, I'd like to challenge us to get back to the Bible. You say, well, Pastor, how do we get back to the Bible? Well, I, I know this sounds elementary. I know this sounds so simple. But I have to say it because the way we get back to the Bible is we read it. And not read it to say, oh, I read the Bible. Okay, I'm good. But we read it to say, I need God to speak to me. I need something for my marriage. I need something for my home. I need something for my children. I need something for my workplace. I, I need something for my spiritual life. And I need something for, for today. Read the Bible. You need to make time for it. Uh, maybe you need to turn this thing off right here. And uh, my phone's on right now. I don't know what it's doing. I guarantee you one thing. I wasn't checking the sports scores while I was preaching. Oh, that's right. There's no sports. Um, Maybe we ought to turn this off for a while. Maybe we ought to turn off the computer for a while, turn off the TV for a while. And maybe we ought to just get in the Bible and read it. You say, well, how can we get back in the Bible? Well, we can read it, make time for it, get something out of it. You can memorize it. You know, the wonderful thing about Scripture is when you memorize it, you get it in your heart, it's with you all the time. You could be driving down the road. Don't drive down the road reading the Bible. Uh, that's not good. It's like some of you that like to drive down the road and text, and we can tell because you're all over the road. Don't do that. But can I tell you, we can meditate on it. We can memorize it, and then here's a good one. We can obey it. I heard it like this years ago from a preacher. He said, when it comes to the Bible, you ought to learn it, you ought to love it, and then you ought to live it. Can I tell you, if we'll do those three things, if we'll get back to the Bible, it'll change us. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.